Tonight's sermon topic, tonight's sermon title, and tonight's sermon introduction are all ones that I dare say you have probably never heard used in these ways before, no matter how long you've been a Christian. And they are a title and topic that you probably never thought you ever would hear used as a sermon title and topic, especially in the Lord's Church. However, I guarantee if you will go with me through the fairly lengthy introduction, that this sermon makes a very, very biblical point, one that we will get to eventually, one that will be quite applicable. The title is <laughs> Zombies Zombies, the living dead, are everywhere. I probably get our young people's attention, especially. Zombies, zombies, the living dead, they're everywhere. Typically, in, in years past, in times past, it would have been around this time of year, several decades ago, when you might have expected to hear a little bit more about zombies than usual, right along with so many other sinister imagining from the minds of men. But zombies, in our day and age, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're a year-round fixture in our society. Think about this. Zombies have served and continue to serve as the subject and the centerpiece of a vast variety of different entertainment things. For example, zombies have been used in movies, videos, TV shows, ad campaigns. Zombies have been used to sell everything from cell phones to Mucinex. When I was putting this sermon together last week, <laughs> I kid you not, there's a Mucinex commercial that usually utilizes zombies. Kid you not, saw it. I went, wow, they're still around. One resource I found sought to define zombies this way. Zombies are hypothetical creatures of the sort that philosophers have been known to cherish. A zombie is physically identical to a normal human being, but completely lacks conscious experience. Zombies look and behave like the conscious beings that we know and love, but all is dark inside. They are the living dead. There is nothing it is like to be a zombie. That's what the guy wrote. And that's really true because there's no such thing as a zombie. They're not real, they don't exist. Never have, never will. So that being said, where does this idea of these hypothetical creatures, as this gentleman put it, where did this idea of the living dead come from today? Where do we get it? We know they're not real, we understand that. All of this stuff about zombies, we understand they're not real, okay? So where'd the idea come from? How did it evolve into what we see today throughout the entertainment industry? The idea seems to have originated in the voodoo traditions of Haiti, which makes sense if you think about it, voodoo tradition, where it was thought that mindless, thoughtless, conscienceless slaves could somehow be raised from the dead. This imagining of men known as zombies was popularized in 1968 in, the, in America with the film Night of the Living Dead when that was released in the 60s. That is the same era that saw musical groups, believe me, I'm getting to a biblical point here, stay with me. 
That was the same era that saw such musical groups as the zombies, the Beatles, the monkeys, and probably a whole variety of other creepy creature names that come out of the drug-drenched mines of the 60s and 70s. Further, zombies were featured in the freaky but insanely popular Michael Jackson video, Thriller, which again was released in the 1980s and 1983. A much more recent note was the Brad Pitt movie entitled World War Z. It was stood for World War Zombie. A written review of the plot reveals four different aspects. That movie was taken from a book. And I read a review online of the book and it featured four different things that are gonna come in when we start talking about the actual biblical aspects of this. This review will serve us well as an illustration in the second part of the sermon. This review read as follows. The plot. An infection is spread to many countries which causes people to become zombies. An outbreak in South Africa finally brings the plague to public attention. As the infection spreads, only Israel initiates a nationwide quarantine and closes its borders. Here they come, the four things. The United States of America, number one, does little to prepare. An ineffective and fraudulently marketed vaccine has created, number two, a false sense of security. When the world recognizes the true scope of the problem, a period known as the Great Panic begins. The United States Army sends a task force to Yonkers, New York, York, there's an R in that, in a high-profile military campaign intended to restore American morale. However, the military relies upon Cold War tactics, weapons intended to disable vehicles and the wounding of human opponents. These have no effect on a force that uses wave attacks has to be shot in the head to be stopped, and has number three that will come in important in a moment, no fear of death. We learned from this synopsis of the plot that what happens, number fourthly, is that these zombies don't like cold weather, so they freeze to death. So the Americans set up these safe zones. They set one up in Colorado, these places that you can go to. It's cold, zombies can't go there. So they tell the American public, they say, go north. But that's all they tell them. The United States directs those left behind to evacuate north, giving no other direction or instruction other than to go north. Many civilians in North America flee to avoid the zombies into the wilderness of northern Canada and the Arctic, where 11 million people died of starvation and hypothermia. See, what the government did, the authorities that they trusted, they set up these safe zones only for select people to be able to escape them. Then they told everybody else, just go north. It's all the instruction they gave them. Go north, you'll be fine. And 11 million people died. But by far, the biggest thing we must understand about our current culture's fascination with these creatures is that they're not real. They don't exist. They never have, except in the deep, dark imaginings of men. Listen, the Bible is crystal clear, crystal clear, that it is appointed for man to die once. Then comes the judgment, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. The moment that a person dies, the spirit, their human spirit, leaves their body, takes residence in the world of Hades, not to be raised again until the final judgment. We see this in our Bibles in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 7, Luke 16, 22 and following, John 5, 28 and 9, John 11, 24 and other places. 
The only exception to all of this was the uniquely special circumstances of Jesus' resurrection as reported in Matthew 27, verses 50 through 51, 53. Zombies. <laughs> the so-called living dead. They're hypothetical, unbiblical, and non-existent. Period. Or are they? Or are they? Are they non-existent? Here's the answer, and this leads to the rest of our lesson. Are they really non-existent? The answer is, if you're going to use our current culture's perspective or definition of them, then they are most certainly nothing whatsoever more than the manifestation of an overly morbid fascination with death. However, if you're going to use the Bible's definition or perspective of the living dead, then they're all around us. If you're going to use the current, let me say it again just so we're all clear. If you're going to use our current culture's definition, it's just a morbid fascination with death and zombies don't exist. But if you're going to call them the living dead and you're going to use the Bible's definition of the living dead, then they're all around us. I will prove it to you with scripture. See, the Bible has a lot to say about the living dead. It really does. Did you ever stop and think about that? The Bible has a lot to say about the living dead. In fact, I have no fascination with zombies, haven't read the book, haven't seen the movie, have no desire to, okay? But what intrigued me about this was I stopped and thought, how the Bible's got a lot to say about the living dead, and we don't ever think about that. Spiritually zombies, if you will, if you want to use that terminology. God's definition of the living dead is something that the public probably does not want to accept because it pretty much makes everybody who's not a faithful Christian the living dead. Those walking both in darkness and with nothing but darkness inside. See where this is going? Take a look. Think about it. Think about it. First off, let's look at the Bible's definition of death. Death in the Bible simply means a separation. We know that. We know that from Genesis 3 and verse 3, when God said, you know, that they would, on the day you eat of it, you shall surely die, they didn't have a physical death that day. They didn't, they didn't physically die, but they died spiritually. They were separated from God. They were kicked out of the garden. The word death in the Bible means separation. Now, if we're talking about a physical death, Yes, where the spirit is separated from the body, it's still a separation, right? It's just a physical death, a physical separation. But death simply means a separation. When I was a new Christian, I didn't understand. When it says, you know, for the day you eat of it, you shall surely die in Genesis 3 and verse 3, and like they live for hundreds of years more, how does that work? I didn't understand the meaning of the word death. It's a separation. They were separated from God that day, kicked out of the garden. Well, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 tells us that our sins have separated us from God. So, if death is a separation, 
and it's our sins that separate us from God, then we are dead in our trespasses and sins, are we not, before we come to Christ? We're separated from God because of our sins. While people may still be physically walking and talking and living and breathing, they are at the same time spiritually dead. They can be walking around, but they're the walking dead. They're dead in their sins without Jesus Christ in the sense that they are separated from God. If people are still living in their sins, living for their sins, they may be walking and talking, but they are the living dead. They're the walking dead. Look in Ephesians 2. Open your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 2. The Bible talks about us being the living dead. We are dead because we are separated from God, but we were living in sin. That's, and that's what separated us from God and made us the walking dead. It really did. Paul uses this terminology in Ephesians chapter 2. Look what he says carefully in light of what we've talked about. That's why I kind of set this up with all of that other talk. Chapter 2 and verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and, and sins in which you once walked. We were the walking dead. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by children, were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Do you understand what Paul is saying? We were walking, we were talking, we were breathing, but we were living for ourselves in sin, and so we were the walking dead in our sins. This isn't the only place the Bible uses this terminology. Turn to me to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. <clears throat> Luke chapter 9, the latter part of the chapter, beginning at verse 57. Luke 9, beginning at verse 57. When you understand that Jesus is talking about those who are dead in their sins, this passage makes a whole lot more sense than it might have without knowing that. In Luke chapter 9, there's a group of disciples say they'll follow Jesus anywhere. And look what happens in verse 57. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. His father was physically dead. They were going to have a funeral. He's going to be buried. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you would go and preach the kingdom of God. Do you understand what Jesus is saying? He's saying, if you're not following me, you're going to stay dead in your sins. If you're not going and preaching the gospel with me, you might as well go, in, go join the rest of the dead who aren't putting me first in burying the dead. You might as well become one of those, stay one of those spiritually dead. Let the dead bury their own dead. What's he saying to this young man? It's your family who's not following me, who's living in sin, who's following sin, who's not following me, who are going to bury the man who is 
physically dead, but they're spiritually dead. Let the dead bury their own dead. He's not talking about, you know, physical people getting up out of the grave to bury another one. He's talking about people that are dead in their sins because they don't put Jesus first. He says, but you put me first. Don't remain dead like the rest of your family who's burying your father. This is what the living dead are defined by according to God. Those people who are too concerned with the things of this world to follow Jesus or to put serving him and spreading his word ahead of everything else in their lives. Let the dead, they are living, they are breathing, but they're dead. You let them bury the dead person. You go, you live for me, you live through me, you live by me. Remember what he had just taught them in this very same chapter in verses 23 through 26 when it came to their priorities. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and his father's and of the holy angels. He's already told them, look, you've got to follow me. Jesus has the words of life. Not only does Jesus have the words of life, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So if we're not following him, if we are not having his life, then we're dead in our sins. We are the walking dead. The walking dead. There's another passage in scripture that talks about the walking dead, even in the church. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Please turn there. 1 Timothy, chapter 5, beginning, verse 3, talking about <clears throat> who to put on the list to help as widows and whom not to. There's this list of criteria that the Apostle Paul, by divine inspiration, writes to Timothy. Watch his wording, what he says in 1 Timothy 5, 3 through 6. He says this, Honor widows, who are really widows. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents. For this is good and acceptable before God. Now she who is really a widow and left alone trusts in God and continues in supplication and prayers day and night. Is that widow alive to God? Serving God, she's putting God first, she's alive to God. And we see that with the contrast of the very next verse. Look at the very next verse. But she, speaking of widows in the church, who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. She's one of the living dead. That's just what the text says. She's dead while she lives. If she's pursuing pleasure, if she's pursuing all these other things and not God, then even though she's walking, talking, living, and breathing, she's dead in her sins. She's the walking dead. Bible says that such Living dead and walking dead will be around us all, everywhere, every day. Those who pursue pleasure and put that first in front of God, those who do not live for God, who are still dead in their sins, the Bible says is that these living, walking, talking, dead in their sins are going to be around us all the time. Look in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 6, and it proves that with me. Look there. 2 Timothy 3 tells us they're going to be all around. But know this. 2 Timothy 3, 1, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, 
boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, <coughs> excuse me, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort of those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now I realize that while dead and living don't occur in that passage, the fact is that these people who are living those ways, he said they're going to be everywhere. In the last days, it's going to be worse. Are those people everywhere today who are dead in their sins but still walking around? They are, truly, biblically speaking, the living dead. Like the widow in 1 Timothy 5, 3 through 6, who lived for pleasure. She is dead, though she lives. Remember in the beginning of the lesson, I said a resource I found Describe zombies as looking and behaving like the conscious beings we know and love, but that, was all, but that all was dark inside. Do you know that the Bible actually uses the term in reference to a congregation that has the appearance of being living? It looks just like all the other congregations. It looks like it's alive and well, but Jesus said, you're dead. You look like all the others but you're dead. Even whole congregations. Look in Revelation chapter 3. Look there. Don't take my word for this. They were a living dead congregation. Revelation 3 and verse 1. Congregation was here on earth. These people were still drawing breath, but Jesus said, you're dead. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you're alive, but you're dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I'll come upon you as a thief. You'll not know what hour I'll come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. They shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He goes on from there, but even that congregation was, could be defined as the living dead. Obviously, we live in a world wherein the world's definition of the living dead, those creatures don't actually exist. But God's definition of those who are walking in darkness, walking dead, living dead, those who are still dead in their sins and living in the pursuit of their sins, they're everywhere. And folks, remember that article I read where it said of these non-existent creatures, all is dark inside? People that are still living in pursuit of their sins, without the hope that we have of eternal life, what a miserable existence. What a terrible existence to think this world is all there is. With all of its temptation, all of its problems, all of its struggle, all of its diseases with death, what a terrible darkness people... No wonder some people look to booze and, and drugs and all these things, to, and they still can't escape it. 
What a terrible thing it would be. Can you imagine going back, those of you that have been Christians for 30, 40 years, can you imagine going back and, and losing totally your hope in Christ and he's not going to be there for you on judgment day? What a terrible dark existence that would be. Would it not? I need Jesus as my mediator. No wonder these people that are without Christ are without God, without hope in the world, Ephesians chapter 2. All is dark inside. What a miserable existence. That is exactly how it works, however, for those who want to stay the living dead without God, according to the Bible. Do you know the Bible talks about this in Ephesians chapter 4? Turn there, please. Ephesians chapter 4. I can't think of a... It's, it's a term that the Bible doesn't use, but I, I think of the term spiritual zombies, those who are dark inside and want to stay that way. What a terrible thing. Ephesians 4, 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, their dark inside, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling. Do you see that? They're past feeling, he says. They've given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. If there's ever such a thing as a quote-unquote spiritual zombie, people that are, that are dark inside and they, they've lost all sense of feeling and, and, and compassion and you can't reason with them and it's, it's just all dark. It's people that don't want to hear the gospel. It's people who don't want to walk in the light. It's people who reject every opportunity that we have to try to tell them about Jesus Christ to make them alive. They're the walking, verse 17, dead. Look what the Bible says one chapter more in Ephesians 5, beginning at verse 3. Talks about those people further. He says, but fornication and all uncleanness or covenant covetousness. Let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with him. For you were once darkness. You once were a, a spiritual zombie. You were, you were one of the walking dead. He just said in Ephesians 2, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you used to walk. And here he says in this verse, verse 8 of chapter 5, you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Verse 10, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather... Expose them. In, expo in following this text, in exposing those who are walking but are dead in their sins, the walking dead, in exposing the living walking dead tonight, I'd like to go back to those four things I mentioned from that book, World War Zombie, about the plot. Told you I'd apply them later. Let's take a quick look and apply them biblically. It's the reason I read that. I didn't just read it for filler. I can talk long enough. I didn't read it for filler. There was a point to that. Number one, the plot said the USA did little to prepare for this. 
When I look at that and apply it to this lesson tonight, it applies to people in general not studying their Bibles, not getting prepared for the day of judgment as Jesus warned we must in places like Matthew 25. Brethren, there's so much a lack of Bible knowledge out there. People are not getting prepared for judgment day. Just like America in that movie did little to prepare, people today are not getting prepared for that final breath. They're not getting prepared to meet God. They're not getting ready for judgment. They're just taking it for granted, just living life, pursuing sin, and they're not worrying about death. It bothers me so much when you see, you see somebody die and, and you see 200 people show up at the church building for a funeral of somebody that died and, and they're looking and they're saying how terrible it is. And a preacher gets up and he talks about, about how you gotta be right when this day comes and the family's sitting there crying and they go out the door they go have lunch and go watch the ball game and they're no longer concerned they're not getting prepared they're doing little to prepare for that day number one and they get so angry and they throw around that you can't judge me tag the moment we seek to help save their soul like the people of Noah's day is reported in 2 Peter 3, they're not prepared, they're too busy pursuing momentary pleasure to care about that day when the Lord comes and they take their last breath. It's like those in Noah's day that weren't concerned until, you suppose they were concerned when the Lord closed the door to the ark and the rain started coming, you suppose they got concerned at that point? We beg and we plead with people to get into Christ while well, they got time before that door of God's mercy closes. And so many people do little to prepare. Number two, in the movie, an ineffective and fraudulently marketed vaccine created a false sense of security. Just like the people in Jeremiah's day, the prophets of Jeremiah's day were crying, peace, peace, when there was no peace. It was a deceitful message, Jeremiah 8. And it's like the denominational world at large today, and they're saying, all you got to do is believe in Jesus, and everything's fine. They're giving people this, this prayer of faith, and we know, based on a real recent sermon, where the prayer of faith come from, 1643 to 1649, London, England. But they're giving people this false, quote-unquote, vaccine, this, this false sense of security that all you got to do is believe in Jesus, and it'll be okay. No, it's not. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's not the truth. People say, oh yeah, you know, I've said my prayer. I can go out and live any, hey, I was one of those at 17. Said my little prayer of faith and I was sure my salvation was locked in. It didn't matter what I did. Nothing could be further from the truth, but I was taught that once till I opened up the Bible, saw what the truth said. But you have a false sense of security, number two. Number three, these non-existent made for Hollywood, living dead, of World War Zombie, unfortunately, like the spiritually dead of today, have no fear of death. People's fear of death today is only when death is staring them in the face, be it their own or somebody else's, but then it goes away. They really have no fear of death. You know what? If people that don't know the Lord truly had a fear of death, they'd get to know the Lord. People understood what was at stake. They wouldn't be out there tonight watching a football game. They'd be getting here saying, what must I do to be saved? But they don't really fear death. They are the truly living dead, even though they're not the idea, the world's idea of zombies, number four. 
There were millions, as I said, who were told to flee to the north. They didn't know where these safe zones were. They were just told to flee to the north, but given no specific instructions other than that by the so-called authorities. So many people in our world today, again, are told all you got to do is believe in Jesus, but they're given no specific instructions. These things called churches are just entertaining them. They're not giving them specific instructions on how to get into Christ where it's safe. They're not telling them how to get to the safe zones. They're just saying like the authorities here, just go to Jesus, just come to Jesus, just believe in Jesus. But they're not giving them the instructions. They're not telling them, you've got to be willing to confess him as Lord. You've got to be willing to repent of your sins. You've got to be willing to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. You've got to live faithful unto death. They're not giving them specific instructions. They're just sending them up. And you know what? They're dying by the tens of millions. Because no specific instructions being given by the religious authorities of how to truly find safety in Jesus. And the truly spiritually dead absolutely love that. But as Jeremiah 5.31 says, what will you do in the end? Turn to that passage, will you please, Jeremiah 5. God's leaders were not giving the people the right instructions to safety. They were not telling them the full truth. They were telling them what they had made up in their own minds. They were saying, Jeremiah chapter 8, peace, peace. But God asks a question that is still very applicable and appropriate to today, to this sermon and every sermon. In Jeremiah chapter 5, some of the scariest verses in the Old Testament, chapter 5, 30 and 31, an astonishing and horrible thing has been committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule by their own power. The religious leaders weren't given the right answers. They weren't given the true instructions. And he says, my people love to have it so. People just love these religions today where all you got to do is, is go and sit and be entertained and they love it. And they're not being given specific instructions on what the Bible says to be saved. But look what God says at the end of, of, of Jeremiah 5, 31. He says, my people love to have it so. But what will you do in the end? What will you do in the end? Here's the situation for us as the people of God tonight. As those who are truly alive in Christ Jesus our Lord, who were once the walking dead. We were walking in our sins. We were dead in those sins. We must understand that we are surrounded by the spiritually dead. We are surrounded by the living dead, people living in their sins who are still dead in those sins. We must understand, though, that in amongst the waves and the masses of the living dead all around us, there are some who don't want to stay that way. 
There are some amongst those living dead who would like to love and learn of and live for and live with the Lord Jesus Christ and his saved people. There are some in these masses of people that are walking, the walking dead, walking in their sins, dead in their trespasses. There are some who don't want to stay there. I didn't want to stay there. And we got to find those people. Those who want to be set free from the law of sin and death and rise to walk in newness of life. I didn't say that right. Those who no longer want to walk in their sins but want to rise to walk in newness of life. We must find them before Satan's living dead turn them forever into something else. The task is not easy to find those few in the masses of the walking dead all around us. The task is not easy to find the ones who want the gospel because they all look the same. People are people, right? So it's hard to find those who no, want, no longer want to live that way. But we must discover and differentiate between those who are dark inside, Ephesians 4, 17 through 19, and want to stay that way or those who are simply dark inside but would love and welcome the light of Christ. We've got to continue searching for them. We've got to continue this mission. That's the whole point of Save One Soul in 2019. And you know, I thought, maybe it would make it a little more pressing to us. Maybe, just maybe, it would even heighten our senses and we would get even more serious. And I am so grateful for all of the efforts to reach out to people that I've heard so many talking about. God bless this congregation and all that you have done and all that you as individuals, you've talked to coworkers, you've called me, you've talked to me and, and so many people are trying, but I thought it would even heighten it more tonight if you and I could just get a picture in our minds of those people that we, we shop with and we recreate with and we work with and we go to school with, if we began to really get a picture in our mind, they're the walking dead. They're living dead in their sins. They're spiritual zombies. And if we, if we, if we got that picture in our head, that maybe we could understand the darkness inside of them and we would reach out even stronger to lead them into the light and life of Jesus Christ. How sad it must be to be without God and without hope in the world. We need to pity those people, but we also need to see if any of them would like the hope that we have. Like I said, they're hard to find because they all look the same. They're living, breathing people. If you're here tonight and you've never obeyed the gospel, you've never been baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, why? Maybe you're here and it's first, second, third time you've been here. Maybe you need a Bible study and, and I don't want you to do anything without seeing for sure what God's word says and, and there are people here who'd love to study the Bible with you. If you've never been baptized into Christ, if Christ hasn't become your life, if you're still dead in your sins, why do you stay there? You don't have to. You can be baptized for the forgiveness of those sins and Christ, Colossians 3, 1, will become your life. You don't have to walk in darkness anymore. You can walk in the light of God's word. But if you're here and you've already done that tonight, 
And maybe you're just somebody who hasn't been too serious about truly seeing those around you as dead in sin. Maybe tonight's lesson will help. If you need the strength of the prayers of this church to reach out even stronger to somebody, we'd love to pray for you to save one soul in 2019. The living dead are all around you. It's not just a Halloween thing. It's not just an October thing. In God's word, the living dead are everywhere. We need to give them life and we have the power. We have the weapon of mass salvation. Did you know that? That's what God's word is. God's word is a weapon of mass salvation. I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. If you need the strength to share that with somebody tonight or any of these other things we've talked about, please don't hesitate. Please don't. Come to the front. Let us help you as we stand and sing.